Welcome to Americana Quill, writer to writer. Please like and subscribe and tell a friend that likes to subscribe. Today I have a guest that has taught me a few things when it comes to filmmaking. He is a director and screenwriter who is responsible for creating and cultivating the Conquest Film Festival. He is the, as well as the founder. I'd like to welcome Macho Miranda. So what's going on, bro? Uh, <laughs> what's going uh, on? How you doing me. today? Doing really, really well. It's a beautiful day. Um, I'm glad to be here. I'm uh, honored to be uh, interviewed by such an amazing writer. And yeah, I want to thank you. Get ready. Let's start off with like when you first wanted to tell a story. Like, what age was that? When did you like have? Because for me, I guess I never realized I always had an imagination, and that's where it started. I guess storytelling for me. Right, I didn't realize right. that until like two years ago. I was like, damn, I was always telling stories. So when did that start for you? Like when you were like maybe making stories up in your head, but maybe not pen to paper yet? Yeah, well, um, I, I, I lucked out because my mom was like really big on like reading and writing from, from early, early, early on. So I was like four, like writing stuff and, and which was really, really weird. And my mother thought, my mother knew that was like weird. She was like, yo, my son is already like, writing stories and he's like four, he can't even like speak properly and he's already trying to like write stories. Right. But from, from really, really early on, like um, my mother didn't let me out. So um, oh. when I, I just couldn't go outside. So I spent all of my time like reading and then eventually like writing my own stories. They were terrible, I'm sure. But <laughs> I, I want to I say like before I was like 10 years old, it was already like, I can't even give like a specific age, but I just know by the time I was 10, I was already like writing stories and trying to create like scenes with my toys and stuff. So it was, it was, yeah, uh, so a, a lot of times that stuff is like- um, It's like innate, it's almost like you're born with yeah, it somehow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what, like, is that with storytelling first, before you even thought about like movies and film, or film was like automatically connected in your mind with storytelling. No, for you. so I, I'm a writer first and foremost, right? So, right. Um, I kind of think on 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 those terms, and it was in the growth of trying to be a better storyteller that would eventually lead me to filmmaking. Because mm -hmm. uh, I would write my pieces and then have people read them, and I was like a weirdo, and I would like sit there and watch them as they're reading it, you know, right. like, to hoping to get the reaction from what you wrote. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people don't, that doesn't really happen that way when people like reading. So you know, sometimes they'll be like, "Oh, that's great," you know, but it wasn't the same. So I was constantly trying to push myself to what else can I do to um, really become a true like storyteller. Hold on one second. Sorry. No worries. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. So, yeah, so I um it's funny that my my drive to be a storyteller is what eventually led me to be a, a filmmaker because um in learning on on all the different ways to tell a story, I realized that filmmaking is one of the few mediums that incorporates just about every other medium into its into the one form. You know, yeah. so there's writing, there's screenwriting, there's acting, there's uh, this, you know, uh, camera work. There, I mean, there's so many different jobs that goes into like filmmaking, and all of those jobs, you're a film. I mean, you're you're a storyteller. So, right, like, for me, filmmaking was like the epitome of it. I mean, it's just my opinion, uh, which I'm calling. But the original and most powerful, obviously, is, is is writing. So, no, I get that, but I think the most beautiful thing is that. In order to be a great director or filmmaker, I think you have to write. You have to at least want to know how to write. Cause I think yeah. a lot of people want to be filmmakers and they don't tell good stories. They might know how to shoot the right shots, but if you don't have a great story to tell, then what are you shooting for? And I think right, right. you know like that storytelling is so important. It, I think is a pivotal thing. Cause even you said to me one time when we were talking, when I was like doing a little bit of screenwriting, you said, don't forget that you know how to make skeletons. And when you told me that, that stuck with me. And I was like, he's right. I I start the bare, like without our process of writing, 
nothing else can start from that without that so it's like that's kind of what the show's about it's like the essence of, of all forms of writing whether you blogging or, or screenwriting or writing a book so that's why i'm happy to have you on because you be <coughs> a valuable lesson it's like don't let the industry necessarily tell you what they what you think you need to hear because you already know that you make skeletons you told me that that right, stuck right. with me you probably don't remember it like that but like I you got like, everything <laughs> told me like that because i have like different forms of, of of saying that one thing so like i i um i'm glad that, that actually like stuck man it's it's um in the end, with, with, especially with filmmaking, like with all the, the, the bells and whistles, in, in the core of it all is a screenplay, you know? Right. And uh, if you're a writer, if you're a novelist, if, you know, so, someone like you that, like, uh, that's what you do, always remember that, like, in the end, nobody, I, I can't be a director. I can't, this actor can't be an actor. This, this, the crew can't be a crew unless there's a script done, you know what I'm saying? And, and like, that's why that's so important. Absolutely. So what was your, what's your drive behind some of your, your short film um, that you came out with a few years ago? Well, um, in my notes, uh, somewhere. it's called the, the um, what's it called again? I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, so the title. I, I, did, I did a bunch. So the, the one that really like affected people the most was called that one day. That one day, yes. Right, right, right. And it was about domestic violence and stuff like that. Uh, the most fun was uh, School of the Dead, I guess. Uh, <laughs> all of all of my work, uh, one way or another, it stems from some kind of like emotional trauma that I've that I've had, like uh, uh, growing and and. and uh, so most of my films explore those kind of concepts and and. Right. Uh, uh observation of, of behavior and 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 yeah so like uh that one day was about domestic violence uh though that might um never mind uh, <laughs> but yeah it was, it was about domestic violence and it was really uh trying to take it from like the kids perspective so um like of seeing their parents go through it yeah yeah and how like nonchalant they were because they were like so used to like the 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 chaos of it all and then on this one day, it's the one day that it goes too far. And right. then like everyone's reaction to it. So a lot of my other short films are kind of the same thing where it's um, delving into some kind of an idea and then uh, showing the consequences of it and then right. seeing how other people kind of feel about it. So with your storytelling, how did you develop your style? Was it just hours upon hours of like, kind of like a, a mental gym? Cause that's kind of how I feel like I've gotten better. just putting the yeah. hours in. I like making people uncomfortable. I like I like making people, you know. So like, um, yeah. you know, I, I've become a parent, so <clears throat> um, I, I have to watch a lot of my kid stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I I I can't really I, I can't really like if I were to try to make a kids movie, I want I wouldn't really be able to do that. I I like to make people really think about the world around them and kind of ideas and perspectives that they may have in the world about certain things. And then if you, I think, you know, the saying how um, it's not what you say is how you say it. So a right. lot of times people will feel a certain way because that's the only perspective that they have it in. But then if I kind of show you to use a nine, but to me it's a six. So if I show you the six from my side, will you still think it's a nine or do you know? Right. I, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, or will you yeah. be stubborn in your perception no matter what? Right. right, 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 right. So with that, I was privileged to actually read one of your scripts and, and go back and forth with you. I won't mention the name of it because, you know, I'm sure you're still working diligently on it. But from that, I could tell that you're very rooted in um, not just storytelling, but like making sure it's impactful, whether it's a comedy, which this one is. All right. So. right, right, right. So with that, was what were some of the roadblocks with you writing that script? Was it too many hands in the kitchen trying to give you their input when you when you sent it out to, to your circle of networks? Like, was it just enough where you still were able to decipher? Like, what was your process with the script that you allowed me to read? Uh, well, I mean, I don't mind uh, talking about it. Okay. Uh, we, we were talking about the boogie, uh, yeah. which is 
uh, going to be a film that's dedicated to my hometown, the Bronx. Uh, of and course. it's copyrighted, so don't y'all ever think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Missy said, it's copyrighted, so don't copy me. Yeah. Right. No, no. I, I um, it, it took some time to to kind of get through the script, mostly because it kind of um, art in in general is something that uh, uh is, is a process. And I really do feel like uh, my writing and, and uh, what I create from that writing is an art. So I take my time with it. Whereas I know like a lot of people that they just, they're excited to like say, make a film, <clears throat> excuse me. And they'll kind of like bang out a script that's still like- Misses some elements. Yeah, it's, it's really rough. And then they'll go and shoot a movie with that. And then after the fact, they're wondering why like- Yeah, they connect with the people. Guys, Right, 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 right. So um, with the boogie, it started off being like a show and then it kind of kind of brought it back. I was like, no, we got to make it a movie. And it kind of went in its ups and downs. I, I really do treat uh, stuff like that like a baby and I kind of just let it grow as opposed to like forcing it to like go through puberty and the whole nine, just let it go through it naturally. Um, the process for me was... Um, I feel like art is supposed to like wake people up and and um, make them aware of of what's going on in the world, whatnot. You know, what's that saying? It's supposed to uh, disturb the the normal people, and then it's supposed to make like crazy right. people uh, um, yes look sane or something like that. Right. Yeah. Right. I think the exact uh, exact words for it, but. Um, but that makes sense because while reading it, I've read different versions of it and. I think you're the you're the great you're a great writer that likes to live with the art. You don't care how long it takes, as long as you know you got it right. And I, I when you have the luxury of time and, and and the pleasure of knowing yourself, I think you're able to do that. I think that's yeah. very hard for a lot of different people, because there's certain stories that I write that I I just have to be ready to put it out, just because I feel like it's a timing issue with the stories. But the ones I get to live with the, the longest, I feel like, are the most happiest I am because I know I put my all. There's nothing I can think about doing over again, regardless right. of what anybody thinks. So I definitely understand your, your reasons for living with your art, for sure. But with the, with the boogie, uh, the process really was, um, in the core was, I'm, I'm really trying to figure out what's the theme, what is the message that, that I'm trying to um, uh, put out there. And um, again, it's not how you say, it. it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So then right. a lot of times, if you just hit people with a fact or hit people with, uh, like something they'll fight uh, against you for it but then especially with the boogie because uh, a lot of my older work is really like hard hitting and it's it's like in your face kind of a thing um, with the boogie I'm trying I'm experimenting with I guess like comedy really and if I can make you laugh and you're cracking up and the whole nine but then after the fact you're like wait but why is that funny you know why is why was that like funny to me why was that you know so, because the truth is funny, even though sometimes it's painful. Yeah, yeah, whether yeah. people, whether people want to admit that or not, it's the truth. Sometimes the pain is pain is funny. Sometimes it just is. Right, and right, right. I think with screenwriting, especially when you're able to film it the way you've written it out, from what I've saw, it, it's the subtlety that people's gonna laugh at. It's not necessarily always the dialogue. It's the subtlety within the actions inside of the the sequences of the movements of the characters that will make somebody laugh, for sure. A lot of times, uh, people screenwriting in particular. A lot of times, people um, like you know the difference. Um, mm -hmm. Like when you're writing a book, you have to uh, put into like what the character's thinking and this and the whole nine. Whereas with a screenplay, it's a little tricky because you can't do any of that. You right. have to. Like, you can only write down what's happening and then what's what's uh, being said. So then it's, it's really hard to to really get into like characterization and 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 figure out what the character is feeling but in a way it's a little enlightening too because if the character doesn't have to say anything and he's just doing something then it's really just trying to figure out what can that character do to let you know how he feels you know well and i guess I, that's when you put on your director hat and you speak to your 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 artists of hey i need this emotion out of you while you're reading these lines so it could be betrayed oh, on film compared to in a book like you said everything's written out but sometimes I don't even like doing that in books because I want people to have their own imagination of how they might react certain things. Right, 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 right. So I try to keep some of my books actually 
more dialogue based than your average, I guess, books that want to tell you every single emotion. Because sometimes you just, the fastest way to a point is a straight line. So me putting you through all these different things and you're still not understanding it. I feel like I'm just overwriting for the public where like to show up that I could write. And you don't have to do that if you want to just tell a great story for people to move forward with their day. So that's the one thing I do love about screenwriting is that it's A through Z is what you go and see on the, on the paper, but it's up to me to make sure if I'm the director that I pull out the emotion so it display on film. So it's uh, like the, the difference between uh, giving the person the answer and then leading them to it. Right. And I've seen you do that in, in some of the rooms that I was in with you, where you're just you're just a good coach, and I think that's what a director is. So you have been <laughs> able to story tell and listen to the objectives, even though I could tell in your eyes, you're like, yeah, 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 all right, cool, we're gonna try that <laughs> and move forward. I just think that's super dope because it's like you gotta have though, especially when you know you wrote the story, it's like it's hard to like let somebody give you a suggestion if they've never written before and they're just thinking. You throw yeah. stuff at the wall to see what sticks. It's like that's not that's not the best process because the movie's not a writing room. Yeah, you if you if you you might give me a few notes and if they make sense within what I wrote, cool. But for you right, just right. to add whatever you want to think it's gonna make it better, is I think you handle that process really well when you allow others into your circle to read. So well also too, I think as as um as writers, as as filmmakers, as artists and the whole nine, yeah. uh being able to listen is like uh, for some like really really difficult for me because of the way that I was raised I was always made to be quiet so it was like really easy for me to like listen to what people have to say you know was that natural for you or you had to learn how to listen not man I have four sisters I'm the eldest and only boy but prior to that I was raised the only child with my mom I have tons of aunts so like I had like women everywhere I, I couldn't say anything, like, cause I was gonna get in trouble. I was gonna make somebody upset the whole night. So I learned just to watch and listen to, and then you just right. kind of cherry pick the things that work for you. And, and you know, cause in the end, even if you object to it at, in that moment, that outcome isn't gonna work out because they're gonna right. feel like you're not listening to them. And then, so in the end, I just say, yes, 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 yes. Well, this is what I'm taking. This is what I'm taking. This is what I'm taking. Thank you. you know? Right. No, absolutely. So. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to make sure I give you your props because I think, you know, you definitely know how to set a team up for success. And I think that that's not the easiest thing to do. And I'm sure you have to do that a lot, even with your, your Concourse Film Festival, if you want to get into yeah, yeah, yeah. some of that. It's like you have a lot of people that, you know, asks you questions so you can support them in, in their endeavors. So how's that been going for you as a filmmaker creating a film festival wow. such as that? Well, um, the Concourse Art Foundation, well, you you are actually right. I started with the Concourse Film Festival, and then we went and did uh, the first and only right now uh, the Concourse Comedy Festival. And then after doing those two events, I was like, man, we have to create an organization that all of these festivals will be under. So then we uh, I started the Concourse Art Foundation, and then I ran the film festival. Uh, a, uh, two brothers that are buddies of mine, uh, Joe Hill, he runs the Concourse Comedy Festival, and then his older brother, Gary Prey, he runs now the Poetry Festival. Um, but And now Winter, uh, Kimberly Winter runs the uh, Film Festival now for us. But um, yeah, in, in a way they say that um, you can't build an, like you can't build a kingdom with a bunch of kings. And I wanted to, uh, work, see if that if, if that was actually like true or not true in practice. So mm -hmm. I essentially created the art foundation and then I'll have different kings and queens running their own uh, like art forms. So that right. way no one's- their own, their own wings of the building. Exactly, <laughs> like they're all under one like foundation. Umbrella, right. Yeah, exactly. So um, like the film festival has his own family, his own crowd, his own like following. The comedy festival, the same thing, and they don't necessarily all mix. But uh, eventually, we're gonna get to the point where we'll be able to unite all of these like artists, so that way, um, in a way, it's that a really hub, hub of the network, right? Absolutely. Right, especially in the Bronx. So, right. um, yeah. What roadblocks did you face when starting out? initially in filmmaking? Was it was it the cost of equipment? Was it the cost of 
how can you execute the idea of not having a team, but you know you have a good story? Like, what are, that's some of the things I think I face to this day, and that's why I stay in, in writing novels, because at least I know I can get my stories out. So what are some of the robots you face as a filmmaker? It's funny that you say that, because in the very beginning of my career, that was really the, like, the battle. So um, you, you can be a filmmaker without the, you know, the crew and, the, and the, the cast and everything. And you just your story just has to be smaller. So that way it's just like you. Like, so that way it's just you dealing with everything. Um, but when I went to the first struggles, first off, was that I didn't know any other filmmaker. There, was, there were no filmmakers in my family. I had no friends, like no neighbors, no, nobody. Nobody was a filmmaker. I, I was like an alien to everybody. Like what the hell is right. wrong with you? Like finding um, a brain to bounce ideas off of, like you could do right, now, you right. couldn't do back then. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So um, I, I, I think I really didn't set myself uh, to kind of go in that direction until after high school. Cause even when I was in high school, I was like the only actor, the only kid that wanted to be an actor, the only kid that was trying to be a filmmaker. And I knew this back when I was like 10 years old. So I had to mm -hmm. like wait through all of these years to finally like make my own move. And 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 uh, yeah, so I went to like college, I went to film school in a small like art college in North Carolina. And it was really there that uh, I got to meet like other filmmakers and uh, I was, you know, in, immersed in this like community. Um, and then eventually I started realizing that film school was like a terrible, terrible, terrible waste of money. Right. Uh, all of the, all the stuff, especially now with technology, everything that you will learn in film school, you can learn on the internet somewhere. Right. You, know? you could just type in in YouTube probably at this point. Exactly. And save yeah. yourself thousands of dollars. So instead I used, um, like I, I realized that the, 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 the fault in, in my decision and going to film school, but it was super necessary. Um, so I just used the, the time and the equipment that was available to me to just bang out a bunch of like short films. And that was really to, to work out the craft of visual storytelling. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I tell people all the time that like, um, it's a bit like novels. Novels, you have to write thoughts out. You have to write everything out the whole night. With, with films, is it's a visual medium. So right. I was always with the understanding that if you watch a movie and you're watching a mute and you can still understand what's happening, then it's a good film it's a good visual story right uh, the problems that i have with like some uh like filmmaking today is that a lot of uh the cues and the facts and the and just uh, parts of, of of the story are told to you by just the dialogue so you don't really understand the, the, the character their like motives why they're right. like, moving forward it's only uh, if they don't say it i don't understand you know Right. So you're trying to make sure that the medium visually at this point for your friends right. are aesthetically, the energy is the same as if it's in dialogue, right. it could be the same visually. So that way, the dialogue and the music and the sound effects are, is just the like the sprinkle that you put on top of the cake. Even right. if you watch my, my films without any of that stuff, you know, uh, you, you would still understand what's going on. Right. Absolutely. Um, let me see. What else? I like to also think that um, that film school might have been necessary though, kind of, if you think about it, because probably well, when you started doing it, the the DIY do-it-yourself mentality wasn't always there yet. Even though you might have had the mentality you could do it yourself, you didn't have the resources. It made sense for you why you went to school, but now I kind of understand why you feel like if only I took the time to maybe see if this was up on yeah. these resources. I probably could have well, saved something. This was, uh, I graduated like almost a decade ago. So, yeah, um, so I think it was a decade ago. Holy crap. YouTube was very new. Like it wasn't, not everybody yeah. was like giving out their information like that, for sure. So back then information wasn't as re readily available. It wasn't necessary at the time. Now I would say like filmmakers now, man, all you need is a camera. That, that works and there's like free editing software out there. There's so much, there's so many yeah, that's, that's that. what I use. I'm actually gonna say it cause it's like, it's up to you to do the work. So Blender is a, is a pretty good one. So that's what, what, what was I the name use. of it? Blender is what I Blender. use for this. Yeah. It's free. Yeah. I don't pay anything. It, you know, it's, it works almost as Adobe Pro as far as 
the same kind of capabilities of, of how to work the software. So it's like you learn one, you can learn a few other programs. So yeah, they all they all kind of do the same thing. It's just they, right. they may not do it differently. Right. But yeah, uh, to be a filmmaker now, you I mean, all you need is a camera and a, a script, you know, and. So that goes into like, what's my advice for young filmmakers for you? Like what's some advice you can give them? Start shooting, you know, a, a lot of times filmmakers in the beginning, <coughs> they have their Pulp Fiction stuck in their brain, like their, um, like their greatest creation, their film that they always wanted to make. And they just wait to, to build the resources or to whatever to make this particular film. And it's, it's just a mistake. You should just try to make as many crappy short films as possible. So that way, once you get the kinks out and once you understand the mechanics of the craft of it, of, of filmmaking and, and the process and <clears throat> bringing a team in and having them help with different roles and just immersing yourself in the idea of, of, of visual storytelling, then you go make uh, the film that you want. But you don't wait, you don't not work at all. Right. Just get a camera, get a couple of like people in your family that don't mind and be like, all right, we're gonna do a scene where you shoot her in the face and then her mother walks in and is like, oh my God, and then just do that. Right. It's fun, but see if you can make that work. You but know? It's, always, it's always in the gym, you have to do it. It's like, you can't, yes. you can't avoid it. No, I It's got like you. someone who wants to be a bodybuilder, but is waiting for the competition to like lift start, weight. Start bulking like, up, you... it's like, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, which film has this, matter of fact, let me go into books real quick. What's your favorite books that made you be like, all right, I know that I definitely want to do storytelling because I love this book and I wish I could write something like this. Or... I have a few, man. So I was like a weirdo as a kid, right? So because right. I, I couldn't go outside, I used to have to read, I read the encyclopedias like A through Z, front to back, all of them. So yeah. I, I know shit ton of like random facts in my head for some reason. Uh, anyway, let me actually answer your question. Sorry. No, oh, no worries. Thank uh, you. Uh, it's all good. I like I like that. <laughs> Don't worry about it. The books that stuck with me growing stuck with me growing up was like Lord of the Rings, um, uh, The Alchemist. Uh, one of my one of my favorite books that actually made me want to write. Um, to Kill a Mockingbird was like a, a very really good book. book. Yeah, that was the book. That one was was more my, my style because it was a, a movie that really delved into like what was going on at the time. Like To Kill a Mockingbird is exactly what I would want to do with with my career, except uh, Harper Lee being the one who did it all. Right. <clears throat> she wrote this amazing book about the times, and then every kind of the book never wrote again. <laughs> and then never wrote again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was a, a, an amazing book and then they made it into a movie and then the movie won like best picture, best actor, best, you know, the whole nine. And that's exactly what I would want to do. But yeah, uh, Alchemist, The Killer Mockingbird, those, uh, there's a bunch of like little books that, um, I don't see little books. That's... No, no, but like books that um, you probably read from like the ages of 12 to 18 that impact yeah, your yeah, life. Yeah. No, that I really get you formed different you know different outlooks on how you how you approach your life today those are the type right. of books i like to write what i loved about the alchemist is that although it's a brazilian author and they translated it to english it was written so simple but it was so impactful it made me feel like okay i could write too right 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 and that's what made me write like because most people don't realize your average newspaper is written at a fourth or fifth grade level it doesn't go past maybe seventh or eighth grade so you trying to write past that you're not reaching the audience you probably really attended for especially when it comes to like good fiction storytelling yep. so as long as you know you can write from fifth grade to maybe eighth grade you can write stories every day as long as you know the process and the the science behind the art of it right so, i think i cut you off i didn't mean to cut you off like no that. no 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 you're good you're all good, right good. <clears throat> And I'm sure you have something to add to that too, because like I saw you smiling, like yeah. <laughs> so. No, nah, I'm just agreeing with you, man. Because oh, okay, uh, like, I um, yeah, man. It's, it's not. It's not. Uh, I think a lot of people say that they're not writers or they don't like to write, mostly because they didn't. They haven't really like put that effort to like do it. You know, um, most of the novels that 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 you read nowadays aren't. You know the. Uh, 
it's, it's you, know, you know what kills me the most when they say they got a story, but then they want you to write it. If you got the story, why don't you sit your ass down and write it? Yeah, just write it down. Like, what are you now, doing? and the, I don't mind ghostwriting, but you got to pay me. And when people act like they ain't got it, but they got a good story, it's like, I got stories for days. Like, I don't need your story. And what people don't realize, you can only tell about seven different stories a whole bunch of different ways. Like, you can romance, you know, boy meets girl, boys lose girl, boy finds girl again. Like, it's like, it's not, it doesn't change much. Right, 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 right. But when, it's hard to understand that until you take the time to really understand your craft of stories, you know, like. That's, that's another thing that threw me off, man. I didn't, I didn't, uh, prior to all of this stuff, I didn't realize that, like, all stories all fall under, like, one of, like, seven different, like, layers. Uh, Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and then it makes you think of every single movie, every single story, everything that you've ever like consumed. And you're like, holy crap, it's true. <laughs> you know, like. But it makes you wonder how, what makes one executed better than the other is the small nuances in, in dialogue, the choice of a moment of when right. it plays out. That's the fun part when you get to that level of storytelling where it's not, I just want to tell a romance. It's like, how do I tell it where you don't even know the twists and turns yet? So that's the, that's where I find joy at now. Kind of lost. Right. What was it saying? Like you, you, you kind of lost if your audience can like guess where the story's going before you get there. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I um, even with uh, with like filmmaking, like it's it's, it is it is a process. It is like, it's a long process. Is what I mean to say. Right. Um, but it's definitely the most, um, I, I wouldn't want to do anything else. And to this day, I refuse to do anything else. You right. know, if, if, I think writing or filmmaking or you know, stuff like that, stuff with the arts has to be something that you need to do. And that's the only reason why you should do it. Because if it's your like, if you have a plan B and C and D and the whole nine, then do plan B and C and D because Living the life of an artist, of a writer, of a filmmaker, online is rough, and people don't realize that. You know, yeah. It, it's yeah, the, yeah. Don't quit your day job when you're starting, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. You know, you got to do repeat the process a few times before you can even consider something like that. So, which filmmaker or which film has inspired you the most to like be like, yeah, I'm on the right track. I feel it in my spirit. I can keep doing this. Well. I, I, I always say it in, in like any interviews that I do, the two films that I, I think I was, I think it was like 10 or something or like in that, in that uh, age range, but I remember my dad. Okay, so I learned to love literature because my mother, and then I learned to love cinema because my father, right? My parents broke up when I was three. So I was always having to read and write and everything with my mom. And then my dad was like a DJ. He was one of the DJs in the Bronx that kind of perpetuated uh, the idea at the time of hip hop. Okay. So he's like an unsung hero as far as the movement. You know, the bigger DJs, DJs were the ones who like got all the names like DJ Herc and this and those guys. Right. Um, my dad helped with that. Um, right. With hip hop back which, in which the is, Bronx. Which is very big, you know, there's a lot of yeah. unsung heroes that people may not know but the name of. He had a, a passion for like films and for movies. So mm. when he used to pick me up on the weekends, sometimes at like Saturday night, he had to like go DJ a party. So then he would, I would stay with my grandmother and he would go and rent. First off in the afternoon, we will go watch a movie. And then after go rent a bunch of movies and he'd be like, all right, Mach, I gotta go DJ. I'll see you, the, I'll see you in the morning. So I just, <laughs> yeah. every weekend, every weekend, you know? So, yeah. I remember him renting American Beauty and Silence of the Lambs. Both films, ironically, were two films done by first-time directors. And then the films themselves won like the top five. So best picture, best actor, best, you know, everything, top five, both of them. And it's so weird that the last two times that that even happened were, I don't, don't quote me on any of this, but at the time, films weren't really doing that like first time directors uh, you know and then their first film wins best picture best director best you know right. all of that stuff two and then these were the two films that i rented that you know that day and i watched these two films and i was like 
it's insane. I've been writing these stories the whole night. I watched these two movies. I just went through this roller coaster of like emotions and this and the whole night. I was like, I would love to do that. I would love to like make movies and then, you know, and that was it. That was, that's all it took. It took, so it's not necessarily, all right, so as far as those actual movies, the directors after that of me delving into like form of filmmaking the whole nine. I fell in love with us. Stanley Kubrick and Alfred Hitchcock. That's because Alfred Hitchcock was the master at giving you only bits and pieces of information and like building and building and building that tension just visually. He would show you nothing. He would show you very little. And then you're like, ah, you know, in your head. That's why yeah. Psycho is still remembered today. It's why like True. all these other films that he's done had left generations because of how he put it together. Stanley Kubrick, because he, I'm not, not that he was like born in the Bronx, but I knew that he was like raised in the Bronx. He went to Taft High School, oh, wow. my zone school. I right. lived in Bronx. That's like right down the hill um, from you, right? <laughs> oh, you that, that was his zone school. He went to Taft, you know, so like, right. I, I know that I was like, yo, and this is the guy who made 2001 Space Odyssey. He made Full Metal Jacket. He made, you know, Stanley Kubrick was dope to me because he was a photographer before everything else, right? So then mm -hmm. all he did was he translated one medium to the next. So all his shots are like structural, just composition-wise, just beautiful, beautiful. All other filmmakers look at Stanley Kubrick like he's a fucking genius because of how all his everything was structured. You could put a grid up on his onto his shots. And it all matched, like, it's just amazing. <laughs> right, like yeah. sunlight will match the same sunlight from the day before, like it don't change, basically. Right, right, and he was a yeah. stickler, stuff like that. He, he used to do like 80 takes, cause he was like, no, nah, your eyeball moved to the left a little bit when you said that line. <laughs> it doesn't work. Right. You know? And what he meant was you saying that line and your eye looking to the left a little bit might mean that your character's, you know, thinking something else. And he's like, no, that's not what I'm trying to like. He was just so meticulous about every single detail. And I think uh, if, if, if you're gonna work on an art form and if, if you're gonna work on something, I think that's the kind of like passion you have to have for it. Right. You know, unless it isn't, you have to be obsessed with it or else it's not gonna work, you know? Right, you have to be hard on yourself before you can be hard on anyone else, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of my favorite movies is actually um, A Bronx Tale. I love the storytelling and how simplistic it felt, but it was very, um, I don't know. I just thought it was a well-crafted story overall, and then the visuals made it very heartwarming as well. So it's funny that uh, 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 our friend T.S. Mike Dimitro, he was yeah. one of the in in the movie that was like was he really? Yeah, yeah. That's why he thought he went to the last uh, uh, film festival event, and uh, he thought it was funny that somebody had recreated a Bronx Tale, like their version of it, and then he was like in the actual movie. He was like, "That's hilarious." <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I think yeah. um the 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 reason why uh I've, I've, as an artist I've been doing the things that I've like I started the the, the art found the concourse art foundation and the film festival and the whole nine and then me as a filmmaker all of that a lot of my stuff centers around the Bronx because there there's so much like history in the Bronx as far as like art and so much talent. And because like art is, is not really perpetuated right. in schools and the community and the whole nine. I mean, they try, but when I was growing up, I didn't, I didn't have any of those. No, no, absolutely. Like um, it's easy to forget that how beautiful the Bronx was laid out before, I guess, like gentrification and a lack of resources of like mm -hmm. the ideal of what the Bronx was was a beautiful thing before. Yeah, you know, money and funding and things like that got cut short. Of like, yeah, it's like the, the Bronx yeah. is a tough place. Don't get me wrong, like, it's right? A tough, absolutely, tough, but it's such like a melting pot. Like it's like I can't. It's an energy when you step outside, like, right? It's like all the elements that 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 are in the Bronx is like it creates amazing artists, and it's just sad to me that artists from the Bronx have to go so far to get their like work recognized or or like even paid attention to and it was just it always frustrated me that like i had to go to cali i had to go to north carolina i had to go 
everywhere else. Right. People to watch my work. And but there's so many great actors and actresses now from that's really from the Bronx that like found their way, like Kerry Washington. Um, right, right. Same. You have uh, Stan Lee, a comic <laughs> comic book genius. Yes, thank you. See? Ha. So. <laughs> oh, another one. Uh, George A. Romero. Mm. This is the guy who invented what we understand as zombies. Period. He's the guy who, who did uh, Night of the Living Dead, the original. Prior to right. Night of the Living Dead, there were no like zombie films. It was like voodoo stuff and blah, blah, blah. Like it wasn't that, like it wasn't what we understand as zombies today. This kid from the Bronx, he's from Pelham Parkway South. <clears throat> George A. Romero is from Pelham Parkway South. Yeah. He grew up in the Bronx and then moved to like Philly or Pennsylvania, something like that. And then that's where he ended up uh, going to school. And then he made A Night of the Living Dead. But that's what I mean. Look, hip hop, Stanley Kubrick, George A. Romero, zombies, as we know, there's so much that comes from the Bronx that people don't realize. And, is, and it just sucks that the Bronx is the way the city is and the way the people are such amazing art and, and so many amazing artists come from this city, from our city. Mm -hmm. And yet there's no structure there. There's no, like there's art programs for kids, but there is no right. platform there for them to kind of be the medium before they move on to the next level of their careers to right. be like, Hey guys, look, look at the dope artists that are out here. And then we, so that's what I kind of want the art foundation to be. And the reason oh, why they have all the facets, you know? So I have about one more question and take as much time as you need to answer this because I like to go back and forth a bit with this. Is if you got the opportunity to remake a classic or rewrite a few scenes in a movie, which movie would it be? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, if I to remake a movie, man, that's a really good one, dude. I know. I had to do a lot of research to think. All right, this, this would be a good question. I think um, as, as a kid, um, I only think this way because I have kids now. My son is 11 and I have a three-year-old daughter. Um, I, would, I would remake the Goonies. Mm. The kid, can, you, can you think of a scene that you would re remake? Not necessarily the scene. I think I think just like the idea of, of the Goonies. Okay. Um, but only because the, the Goonies at the time they had like a bunch of different kids, and then they were all like it was the relationships that they had. Like Spielberg is really good at that 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 kind of stuff. But um. No, oh, that wasn't. That wasn't. I don't. That was uh, Spielberg produced it. I don't think he directed it. Never mind. Um, he's had like a bunch of different kids uh, from different walks of life, and they all kind of came together, and then they were on this one like one mission, and they had this like idea of what that was supposed to be, and it was like I remember as a kid watching that movie and thinking it was so much fun, and wishing I was one of those kids, and if I can redo that movie and then have each kid really be a true like from really somewhere different. You know, like each kid is a different race. Each kid is a whole has a whole different background. The whole nine. Mm -hmm. I would make the Goonies and the kids that, that would like almost like a metaphor for America. You know, what I'm saying mm -hmm. the relationships that they all have with each other. You know, what I'm saying like them arguing with each other and this and blah blah blah. Like I would kind of recreate the whole thing. Whereas you watch the movie and there's these group of kids that are all from all, all these different places trying to find a treasure that doesn't exist. And I think, I mean, that does exist, but like, yeah, th that would be so much fun for me because there would be so many like underlying messages and, and stuff like that, that I can kind right. of uh, uh, mess with that would make that experience fun for me. No, that's amazing. And oh, yeah. 
I think that's, I think this is a great interview. I think it's, you gave a lot of insight. So I want to thank you for that. And usually at the end of every episode, we do a quote of the day and then um, lyrics where um, people can look up the lyrics of like good writing from, you know, artists and musical artists. So the quote of the day is from Spike Lee. All directors are storytellers. So the motivation was to tell the story I wanted to tell. That is what I love. So in order to be a great storyteller, you have to learn how to write. And Spike Lee says that himself. Right. And um, lyrics of the week comes from Lupe Fiasco. Um, what's the song? Damn, I didn't write the song down. Um, I want to call, I think it's called Meryl Jr. Holy assumption of a man into the heaven's spare. Many mansions for champions within seven tiers. Evangelists reimagine every 11 years. Pause for applause evolves to what was never hit. Born to dead born to death, born to die, from the flesh, from the eyes. A, vertebra, a vertebral storm of winged forms swarms the skies. Martial norms unperformed, but the porn survives. In the dome of the scorn, they keep warm supplies. Gone to lose the youth of tooth, horn and thighs. Furthest standing, I was landing, two one hand, one man bands jamming in tandem. He who power naps the plans gathering ransoms and maps the man's laps and a hand lavered and abstinent. And maps man's laps the man's and the hand lavered and abstinent. Got a talent traffic and ramblings and handling out amazing handmade maps of the labyrinth. Out of the back of the wagon, out of the back of the madam out of the back of the magnum. I think it's just clever writing, <laughs> just the way yeah, yeah. he put all that together, basically talking about, you know, everybody's acting like things are heaven, but we're still, there's still very wicked ways, I guess. It's kind of what I was getting from some of those lyrics. Right, right, right. Then out of the trap of enchantment, Bella performed with a megaphone, mega man, desert zone, run marathons with sweaters on. That was so simple, but hot in a place where it's so simple, but not closed temples and old little forgots and road hole chisels, cripples with raw missiles a lot. The old hoes <laughs> that they won't give you a shot, but you can get the whole pistol, it's gonna cost you a lot. These are real words from a savage mind on maximized man on an average climb who don't deserve the whole truth and only half your time. Fit the life of a whole booth and only half a line. In the future life, I don't even have to rhyme. We'll get the entire Armageddon. We we'll only have the signs. So I just thought that was very clever writing. Um, it's still something I'm still trying to decipher everything he's trying to say, but it was very yeah, clever writing to me. <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to share those lyrics with people. I'll put the um, I'll put that verse in definitely the podcast format. YouTube tried to flag me a few times, so <laughs> it won't be going up on there, but I want to thank you again, um, Luis, for your time. and. And Macho, um, please tell us where everyone can can reach your, your foundation um, and some of the things you have going on next. And your merch, because the merch helps the foundation with the sweaters and- Oh, uh, oh of course, of course. All right, so first of all, Britton, I'm gonna say thank you for inviting me and, uh, and for this interview. You are an amazing writer and it is thank truly you. an honor to be like in this position and, and, and being interviewed by you. Um, you guys can find me, uh, well, if you want to know the festival, poetry festival, and food festival, dance festival, uh, you go to cafnyc.org. That's C-A-F-N-Y-C.org. Uh, there you can, I mean, it, it has everything broken down for you guys. Um, just, I mean, also on the website, you can go to the store and you can see all the merch that we have. Um, you can see the artists and picture boogie. So uh, on Instagram, that's at Concourse Art Foundation. For the film is Concourse Film Fest, Concourse Comedy Fest, and Concourse Poetry Fest and uh, in, in, on Instagram. Um, you could just type in Concourse Film Festival or Comedy in Facebook and that will pop up. Um, the Boogie, the Boogie Movie, you can um, find it on Instagram, The Boogie Movie, I mean, at The Boogie Movie. And um, my IG is uh, The Macho Miranda. Um, and yeah, 
the uh, the business stuff, the stuff with the R Foundation. We post constantly on the IG and Facebook, on just social media in general. Uh, my personal page, I just kind of put like my kids and yeah, you know, just just send me the links crazy. of the stuff you want to promote, and I'll I'll put it down on the YouTube page and everything. No problem. Okay, cool, 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 cool. All right, yeah, guys, thank just, you for listening. Uh, I just oh, have a lot. Uh, no worries. No, I was saying I just have a lot of stuff, so it's, 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 yeah. So just look out for the links <laughs> that will be posted. No worries. Um, this is writer to writer, Americana Court writer to writer. Thank you guys for listening. Assumption of man into the heaven sphere Many mansions fit champions within its seven tiers Evangelists reimagine every 11 years Pause for applause, evolves to what was never here Born to death, born to die Form the flesh, form the eyes A veritable storm of winged form swarms the skies Marital norms unperformed, but the pawn survives In the dorms of the scorn, they keep warm supplies Going to lose the use of tooth, horn, and thigh I was standing, I was landing Two one hand, one man bands jamming in tandem He who power naps and plans gathering ransoms And maps man's laps in a hand lathered in absinthe Got a talent trafficking ramblings And handing out amazing handmade maps of the labyrinth Out the back of the wagon, out the back of the madam Out the back of the magnum, then out the trap of enchantment Bellerophon with the megaphone, Mega Man, Desert Zone Run marathons with sweater zone That was so simple but hot in a place where it's so simple but not Closed temples and old little forgot to roll hold chisels cripples who won't miss us a lot The old holes that they won't give you a shot But you can get the whole pistol, it's gonna hit you a lot These are real words from a savage mind Unmaximized man on the average climb Who don't deserve the whole truth in only half your time Fit the life of a whole booth in only half a line In the future life I don't even have to rhyme, we'll get the entire Armageddon with only half the signs. Just yields and railroads, and lush fields with bell toes. Couple huddles of the unskilled but well told, it's unreal how off one deal to sell souls. That he got him by the dozen, Madunya Oblongata.